Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Teaching Matters. This program is produced and recorded in the studios of WOUB Public Media in Athens, Ohio. I'm your host, Scott Titsworth, Dean of the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. You know, when I started teaching back in the uh, mid-90s and went into the classroom, uh, the types of technology that most of my students used at that time was basically a pen and paper. Uh, the more adventurous ones were ex-debaters that had pilot pens that they would have in the classroom and flip them on their fingers. Uh, but really, that was about it. When I came to Ohio University in uh, 2001, uh, as, as those of you that's listened to the podcast before know, I taught a large 400-person uh, mass lecture. It was really the first time in my career that I taught a classroom uh, in a classroom that large. And the technology I noticed at that time in 2001 is the newspaper, because Ohio University has a great daily student newspaper, The Post. Uh, and the technology that I saw that confronted me while I was lecturing was The Post being held up as students were reading those in class. But by about 2005 and certainly thereafter, as a teacher, I started seeing more and more um, apples pop up in my classroom to the point of uh, now when I teach, it almost looks like there's an orchard out there. Although I would say in recent years, I see much more of the tops of students' heads as their faces are down uh, looking at their cell phones uh, in their laps or even on the desk. And so the point that I'm trying to make is that certainly as teachers, we've uh, been faced with changes in technology uh, that in various ways have distracted our students from uh, what they're primary uh, responsibilities are in the classroom, which is to be engaged in the lesson that's being taught. So that's the issue that we're going to be tackling today in this podcast. I'm joined by two guests. In the studio with me right now is Dr. Jeff Kuznikov, who is an assistant professor of communication at Miami University. He specializes in research on computer-mediated communication and also new communication technologies. Jeff, welcome. Thank you. And also joining us by telephone is Dave Panzer, who is a representative of Pocket Points, a company that has produced the Pocket Points app, which rewards students for not using their cell phones during class. Uh, Dave, welcome to Teaching Matters. Thank you. And so today we'll be discussing with both guests the problems of cell phone use in classes and strategies that teachers can use to combat those problems. To sort of set the stage, Dave, I want to start with you. Um, your company, uh, and by the way, we've invited you on because of the expertise that you have in, in representing your company um, across the country, um, not necessarily to endorse your product, but of course you have a great deal of knowledge base uh, that I think listeners will find uh, to be very valuable in understanding this issue. So from your perspective in, in talking with teachers and administrators uh, around the country about the issue of cell phones in class, how would you characterize the sort of on-the-street perception of this problem um, as you've talked to people? Well, I think you spelled it out pretty well. Uh, the, there's no doubt the, um, uh, the, the phone use uh, and as well as computer use uh, is just now becoming almost a norm. And what I do hear is that the, many you know, professors, teachers, administrators, the frustration level was very high for a period of time. I think there's a little bit of sense, depending on uh, the, the individual, uh, but there's almost now uh, an opinion of, well, if that's what they're going to do and they're just going to uh, choose to go there, that, then you know that's, that's what they're going to do. And we might not have uh, any effect. Everybody has tried different things. Uh, to combat this, and unfortunately, uh, they haven't worked at this point. 
And so this is really something that, based upon your perspective, you're seeing, I would assume, to be a national issue. And, and in fact, uh, just as a side note, I was in Columbia last year and talking with faculty there, they said the same exact thing. So it's a national issue, but it's also something that permeates uh, not just uh, higher education, but also most levels of K-12, uh, maybe not the earliest levels, but certainly as kids get into fourth, fifth, and sixth grade, you start seeing it. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, initially, we uh, approached the college users, and what we quickly found, because some of the press on uh, pocket points in general, uh, the high school administrators quickly heard about us, and we had um, an initial outpouring of about a thousand administrators uh, within a several month period, reaching out saying, "Hey, we have a problem too at the high school level." In addition to that group, there were the middle school uh, folks that came through and said, "Hey, there's a couple hundred of us that you know saw this article, and we have a problem too at the middle school level." And so we, over the last oh, year and a half, I actually worked specifically with the high schools for, for just to work on that project, and it's amazing trend. Uh, as it's gotten now younger and younger, and you know, schools are battling this uh, right now, and it's, and it's become a pretty serious issue for them. I mean, we see the discipline rates in schools, what's taking place, and uh, obviously test scores. They're trying to. You know, there's a lot of factors that go into that, but is there a correlation? Certainly. Uh, so, so I think that uh, you've laid out the problem really well, Jeff. Let me turn to you. You're someone that that studies computer-mediated communication and new technologies, and of course we'll talk about a specific study that that you did uh, related to this. But in a more general sense, can you talk about why this problem exists? Uh, So in other words, if, if if Dave's point is the data, that we know that there is a problem out there amongst, uh, you know, this generation of students that really goes from probably about fourth or fifth grade all the way through to higher education. What's driving that, and why is it that cell phones are becoming such a distraction in, in what is clearly a setting where students should be singularly focused on, you know, what's going on in the classroom? So I'd say it's how ingrained mobile devices have become in our lives. So for me, for example, um, I don't have a, a landline. There's there's zero point in it. The last two times I've switched cable companies, they've tried to sell me on it. And my response has been, what's the point of it? Um, I primarily communicate through my mobile phone, be it a telephone call or more likely through a messaging app or text messages or uh, just the base messages app. So I think it's difficult for people to entirely disconnect themselves from their extended network when it's primarily coming through one type of device through their mobile device. So I could understand why for some people uh, being asked to put your phone away and disconnect from absolutely everybody you know for an hour or two might have some trepidation to it. Um, Now, I mean, as a teacher, I do want my students focused and um, I would say putting their phones away for a bit is probably the best way of doing that. But I think it's because of how ingrained mobile devices have become. They're the primary communication tool that we stay connected with, with friends, family, uh, our our relationships and our our social networks and even professional networks too. So it can be very difficult for people to kind of disconnect from that um, for an extended period of time as well. And based upon uh, the literature that really both of you have have looked into, um, I've even seen people describe our, uh, our, our need for using our cell phones for some of the reasons that you mentioned, primarily not so much as a phone, but really as a mobile computer where we can access social media sites. I've even seen this described as sort of almost a manic um, necessity that, and, and that if, 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 for example, a teacher says, you know, everybody has to put their cell phones away, it can cause anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you 
Have you read evidence to this effect as well? Either either can answer. I've, I've run into um, popular press articles summarizing um, academic research that's looked at that and almost called it an addiction that we have a, a need to our mobile a need for our mobile devices and when we're separated from that, it causes almost an anxiety or certainly a level of stress um, for for having that disconnect or, or being separated from it. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. I, I've heard similar things where. Uh, teacher will ask the kids, or you know, to you know, put the device away. And what they've even found is that potentially it's more distracting to have them put them away because their anxiety is what's going on in that phone that I'm missing. And so there's this point of where maybe we just bring it into the classroom and try to integrate it versus trying to take it away because it is it has that type of power and it will distract them even further. And, and Dave, I want one of the things I was going to ask you um, is. I, I'm guessing that a lot of people end up on the phone with you to talk about the the service that you offer because they've tried other things to combat this. What are some of the things that teachers and, and administrators have tried and maybe not been as successful with as they had hoped that then led them to seek out alternative options like what you offer? Yeah, the, um, the I think the perception has been most of the attempts have been in what maybe the punitive uh, status and there's a negative connotation with putting yourself on a way if you if you don't do it there's going to be a penalty of some kind that doesn't sit well with students um, there is a slightly rebellious nature and if you have that sort of thing they potentially are going to rebel even more and want to work around the system so they, the te- that's where teachers professors they just it's gotten to the point where they just don't want to go there because there's that friction and so we our approach has taken more of a positive uh, reinforcement uh, application so that, you know, the idea is, you know, do the right thing and get rewarded for it. Um, and so there's some folks that don't agree with that. They think that they should, you know, just be doing the right thing anyway. Uh, but unfortunately, that hasn't seemed to work. So as we take this approach, uh, we are seeing that there is a, a good amount of the population that respond to that. And there are others that won't. They just, they're truly, they're just not going to go down that path. But those that have the option now, it's pretty nice because they can they can actually get rewarded for doing the right thing. Very good. So b- before we turn to uh, talking about the specifics of pocket points and how you actually deploy those that reward system, Jeff, let me let me go back to you just so we can continue setting sort of the the rationale for why we need to pay attention to this. So uh, you and and in all fairness, I, I I was one of your co-authors, mm-hmm. um, but and then Stevie Munns was another person that worked with us on these projects. But you were the lead author on two studies that tried to document the effects of using cell phones in class on student learning. Can you talk a little bit about what those studies uh, looked at and and what some of the findings were that that sort of presents uh, the qualitative impact of using cell phones in class on student learning? Yeah, so I'll talk about the original study first because the second one ended up being a follow-up where we um, expanded further based on our original findings. So we were originally sought out to understand what impact does texting during class have on student learning. And for me, I put myself in the place of an undergraduate student. Um, If you were trying to get me to not use my phone in class, um, the piece of evidence that would get me to not do that is if you could demonstrate that um, me deciding to use my mobile device uh, absent a a punitive measure from the instructor would hurt my learning, that, that my letter grade would go down as a result of me using my mobile device. And a lot of the literature in the communication discipline didn't have that specific answer to it, and that's where we sought out from. So we wanted to 
see if there was a, a difference between students who abstained from using their devices in class versus students who were texting at two different levels, uh, a low distraction and a high distraction. And we set up an experiment to essentially be able to measure that and compare between different groups. So what we eventually found was that the high distraction group, the group that was getting a message every 30 seconds on their mobile device, uh, scored about a letter grade and a half, 13 percentage points lower than the control group, students who abstained from using their devices. And that was just on a, a test of student learning that was almost immediately after um, these students watched a video lecture. And they also demonstrated poor quality in the notes they took and also their ability to recall information. So not only did they score um, a letter grade and a half lower on a multiple choice test, but their notes were also compromised and their recall was also compromised. And the way I think about it is if you go to study your notes at the end of the term, well, if you took low quality notes because you were using your device, that's going to also compromise your, your potential future uh, a score on, let's say, a final exam. And then in the second study, we already knew that we had this base level relationship. So we wanted to look at if message relevance had an, had an impact, if you were messaging about the class or if you were messaging about things that were entirely unrelated, which is what the original study essentially looked at, but we didn't add in that relevance variable. So j just before you go forward with that, can you give examples of what texting about the class might look like versus something that would be you know, obviously extraneous to the class? Sure, so um, in our study, we used a video lecture that was 12 minutes long and we knew exactly what the content was, we controlled for that. So we would uh, send out messages to students involved in our study that would say, um, let's say the onion model, uh, so we're looking at social penetration theory. It could be like, what was the name of the vegetable used in, in to help illustrate this model? Or um, if we're looking at social exchange theory, it could be what's that formula for um, looking at um, rewards versus costs? So asking them about content that's directly related to the lecture. Um, and to an extent, we're able to use that to see if they're kind of following along with the lecture. And what we eventually found from that was that students who were texting about class content, things that were relevant, there actually wasn't a statistically significant difference between them and the control group. But we did find a statistically significant difference between both the control group and the relevant texting group and many of the other groups we looked at, particularly the ones that were texting or tweeting about irrelevant content. So, so the takeaway message then is that from a student standpoint, when they are uh, texting during class, particularly about things that are extraneous to class, which let's face it, under most circumstances, absent some intervention by the mm -hmm. teacher, it's going to be about things extraneous to yeah. the class, yeah. that, that there is a definite and quantifiable detriment both in terms of the notes that they take and also in the test of recall. So that that's a that's a headline from that study. Yeah. And those that's listened to this podcast before might think back to, for example, when Ken Kirwa from the University of Nebraska was a guest, there's actually a really good explanation for what's going on. We oftentimes perceive that we can multitask extremely well, and that's why we feel like I can take a quick 15 seconds to look down at my messages and to respond to something that somebody said. In reality, what's happening, if we were to use the language of Ken and a few others who's talked about information processing, is that you might be multitasking and you might even be hearing what's going on in the class, but what's not happening is making connections between that information that's going into your short-term memory and then really deeply integrating that information into your long-term memory. The fact that there are fewer details in the notes mm -hmm. illustrates that happening sort of in real time, and then the fact that the student can't respond um, with as many correct answers on a, a test of recall, like a multiple choice test or an open response test, shows that after a bit of a delay, you really see the effects of yeah. that. Yeah. 
And so I think it's interesting that, um, you know, from a theoretical standpoint, we can understand why texting during class could have a negative effect on students. We can see from a practical standpoint that that's about a letter grade and a half Mm -hmm. on sort of an immediate test of recall. And that's really quantifiable for students. Now, Jeff, in your own teaching, and and also you've talked about this study in a number of other uh, press interviews and things like that. What, what do you recommend that teachers do with this, and what do you do with it uh, as you're teaching classes, you know, based upon the the headline from the study? I think that's like the million-dollar question of, well, we, we have plenty of evidence indicating that, that this is damaging student learning. Um, what do we do next? And I, I don't have a great answer because it's actually something I struggle with as an instructor, and I think it's one that is going to develop over time. Uh, my answer now has been we need to figure out a way to meaningfully integrate this technology into the classroom environment so that they're using their device but in ways that are relevant to the course, that are engaging in the course, and engaging students in the course material and with each other. And I don't have a perfect answer for what that looks like, but I, I, I think that's where we should shoot for. Uh, the technology is not going to go away, and as we kind of discussed, telling students to kind of leave it at the door causes perhaps more anxiety than, than we really need. So we need to figure out a way of how do we meaningfully integrate this into the classroom environment. And I'd also say that kind of mimics what we tend to see when students are outside of the classroom, uh, when they're in their career. So when you go to a meeting, I know when I go to meetings, I have terrible handwriting, so I take notes on my iPad. But I grew up in an era before these mobile devices. I took notes freehand, um, and I still mimic that when I take digital notes, but for me, it's just easier. So I'm not going to give up my digital notes, but it's figuring out how do we use these devices productively, and how do we build in perhaps that skill for self-restraint for students to um, mentally themselves decide to avoid using it for distracting purposes. And I, I think meaningfully integrating these devices into our curriculum and how we engage students in the classroom is probably where we need to shoot for. So so that's one option, and we'll come back and talk about the differences in these options in just a few minutes. But Dave, let me turn to you now. Um, and, and you present a different sort of option for teachers. So what, what Jeff was just describing as a teacher trying to be intentional about using the device in the class, and, and you and you and the company you represent present sort of a different option. So can you talk about sort of how Pocket Points, the app, works, uh, and, and specifically how you integrate this reward-based positive reinforcement uh, approach to trying to abate the effects of uh, cell phone distractions in class? Yeah, uh, the the first thing we, we, as we decide to launch a, a university or school or, or a market, if you will, uh, is we the first thing we need to do is geofence the location. So we we put the electronic boundary through Google Maps and our software, so that now this boundary is around the academic buildings of a university or a high school. Um, and so once that's laid out, it's now obviously making the uh, app pocket points uh, aware to this the population. And once that starts to happen, uh, behind the scenes, we have brought on local merchants, uh, mostly in the food space initially, because it's very popular with uh, college kids. Obviously, they need to feed themselves in a breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and a few snacks in between. So, If I could interject, that's something that hasn't changed as a result of technology over the decades that I've been around <laughs> students. So, <laughs> Yeah, and although how they're getting it, the online ordering and then app ordering and, a lot, and, and barcodes and QR codes, all that's changing a little bit, but uh, yeah, exactly. They, and so that was uh, that was kind of a sweet spot for us to get to. But we've also now uh, got into some other applications. In fact, you know, we've been re- reached out to from 
uh, you know, Barnes and Noble columns, for example, uh, and if you had a major uh, financial institution that we're in negotiations with, because they see what we're doing, we're different than other there's other couponing type apps out there. But because of what one, what we stand for, uh, and then two, how the students earn the points, um, we line up with a lot of businesses uh, and what they uh, you know see as, as a problem and what they also how they want to uh, essentially help. So anyway, so once we've done that, uh, students will will go onto campus and and then lock their phone. And while they're not using their phone, they'll earn points. And these points will, will build up in their point bank. And then these merchants that we have on board locally, we have also online and that sort of thing. But uh, they can now spend their points uh, with, with these merchants and get these coupons. And so it's been very effective. Uh, one is, yes, it's helping the business uh, drive traffic to them, which is the big win for them. But for us, is now you have students that are engaging because they want to get the specials. And one thing with us is that we spend a lot of energy working with the merchants to get better than you know the average discount. Many of them will have a 10% off or something that's published. We ask them to go deeper, and they, they will. And so now students typically with the Pocket Points app will get better discounts at these merchants than they could anywhere else. And that's the partnership that's really important for us uh, and what sets us apart. So that's, you know, that's the premise. One of the things uh, I just want to share is that at the high school level, what was really interesting is we were trying to see, you know, can we affect grades and, and test scores? Uh, but the, the administrators and the teachers said the first, we, that would be great if it happened, but we, we do a lot of initiatives in that area. What we want to affect is discipline rates because we have a high discipline rate. Kids getting caught on their phones, they have to go to the office, and there's a process, and it, this has skyrocketed over the years, this issue. And so we, and we hadn't thought about the discipline rates initially, but we got in, we on average uh, affected this, the high schools that we're in about 42% drop overall. And that's taking out one particular school that had an 80% drop. We had to kind of throw them out of the mix because they were so far out, but they had an 80% drop in discipline. And this was, this school was really challenged uh, with it. So we, so all of a sudden the discipline became uh, a, really a, an important part for these schools that these kids now had a reason to stay off, and now the teachers can teach because the kids are off their phones. Um, so that that part was interesting, and then obviously, hopefully, over a period of time here, the the, the tests and the grades and what have you will come with it. But there's so many issues we, we, we can't really measure that and say that Pocket Points has a direct impact on that one. But on the cell phone usage and the, the technology discipline, there is a direct reporting mechanism for that. So we know we know. That when a school launches us and does that, we can see that correlation. We thought that was fascinating. So let me um, ask about just to kind of delve a little bit deeper into how the app works. So I'm a student in Jeff's class, and um, Miami University has signed up and and gotten you on board. So when I'm sitting in his class for an hour and 50 minutes or whatever, um, and, and I don't use my phone and I'm accumulating points, like how many points would I accumulate or is that something that kind of varies from one uh, site to another? Um, right now it will vary and that's because we're testing a few models. Initially we had uh, a point uh, accelerator where the more students that were using it, everybody could earn points faster and what have you. It got a little complicated and people didn't understand it and for us it was hard to, to manage. So we've actually now, we have several test models. Most of our schools are at the 10-minute mark. Uh, right now, we're testing a five-minute mark. So at 10 minutes, and the, the, uh, if you had the app, you'd see that their the little bank would start to fill up. And as you hit the 10-minute mark, it would be completely full and then start over, and you would have one point. So within an hour, you can gain you know six points, in essence, 
Uh, to, not to mention when you download it, you get 30 points. But you know, a lot of the specials that the businesses have uh, will be between 5 and 10 points, and some are up to 30 or 40 if they have a, a buy one, get one free. Or and some businesses will do a promotion where they'll give away a free pizza. They'll limit. There'll only be one a week for a period of time. That will be a very high-pointed item. So kids will save their points or without the, throughout the day they'll they'll go to the library and they'll spend time in the library to earn more points. So that's basically the process. I thought it was really interesting what you were talking about in terms of the discipline rates and um, you know something that would be really fascinating to study is to see if you could observe any type of an effect on things like cyber bullying. So, so you would assume that if you can sort of affect the amount of cell phone use that there are any number of variables that could potentially be modified as a result of that. The, the variables we're talking about are in class, but this idea of discipline rates is really interesting. But then, you know, if you're also if you're also sort of affecting the amount of cell phone use, you wonder if some of the other things like cyberbullying might also have an effect. Jeff, you wanted to say something? I wouldn't say it'd be interesting kind of down the road, especially if you're having this kind of um, intervention, let's say, in at elementary school or high school level, if it's teaching students appropriate uses of mobile devices and that carries forward, it becomes kind of a learned habit that they carry with them through college where um, if, if that actually positively impacts um, success at college because they know how to uh, they've been kind of trained and fell into the the good habits of not using their device, and they kind of carry it with them into college. Um, and if that has kind of really long-term implications for them, I think that'd be kind of an interesting way of, of looking at this over the long term. Yeah, and, and we agree. Uh, and we're actually, uh, you know, putting a, a much more focus in that area. As we've evolved uh, and sticking, you know, to the mission uh, of, of, again, you know, keeping students off their cell phones. We also agree is that self, we are not trying to say you cannot use technology. In fact, we are heavy users of technology. But it's, it's when it should be done. It's the management, uh, the awareness of this is, this is the type of event uh, that sh- it should not be used at. Um, and we're actually, we have some things coming up. We're looking at uh, doing some festivals. Uh, and with the promoter, it's, you know, usually the kids stand out in the festival and they'll stand there with their phone the whole time <laughs> and videotape the whole thing and actually geofencing that festival and the promoter saying, don't do it. We'll, we're going to podcast this. We're going to, we'll put it out there for you to use. Don't use your phones. And so to see, cause the social effect, these, you know, kids are doing those sort of things. So, um, but as you mentioned, like the younger kids, yes, how can we affect them as we get through the, the bullying pieces? And we hear that consistently. How can we affect bullying and what messaging we should have around that? We're trying to navigate through that, but it is, it's relevant and it's prevalent, unfortunately, in, in, uh, at that young age. Dave, uh, so if I wanted to um, sort of create a permutation of what Jeff was talking about earlier, where as a teacher, I might say, okay, I want my class to use Twitter for a very specific purpose over the course of my class period. But I also wanted to use the philosophy that you and and your company is espousing where I don't want them to use their cell phone when I'm not saying, you know, get, get on Twitter for this purpose. Um, how, how would I as a teacher sort of integrate those two things? Because it, it sounds like it's possible to do, but would it just mean that my students wouldn't be accumulating points while I'm explicitly telling them to use their phone, or is there some workaround on that? Yeah, we've, we've heard of many examples of what teachers, you know, they realize they, they need to bring this into the classroom is probably the best thing. And their school's already investing in, you know, Chromebooks and uh, other, uh, you know, media in, in their classrooms. But the 
the, the, for example, there's some teachers out there who kind of use the red light, green light. If the red light is on, phones are not being used and we're not allowing you to do any research or what have you. But when the green light's on and they, and they are managing their classroom so that there's the, within the first, let's say, half hour, it is a red light situation. You're focused. You're staying with me. Do not. I, I will not accept you being on your phone and we're red light. Now we're going to move to green light. And it, because the teachers, what they found is they were getting frustrated because as if you can imagine, you're looking at your classroom and especially, you know, at that, that younger age. And, and you mentioned early on as a professor, it's frustrating when you look down and go, are the kids really writing notes on that iPad are they, or are they doing something else? And so for them, it was a matter of, okay, right now we're going to stay focused. I shouldn't see this. Now I'm okay with you doing this and it should be the right behavior, but now it's going to be a part of the period where you, you, it is okay to do. And that's kind of the balance I'm hearing. And I think it's been pretty effective. Now, whether they actually use, literally there are some teachers that have a red light, the green light in the room, other use a, you know, a little charger, what have you. Um, but I thought that was an interesting, effective way to do is just kind of split the period up saying, here's where you can use it. And they've now modeled their classroom around that. Yeah, I, you know, I used to, uh, in classes that went longer than say 50 minutes, always do sort of, a a mid-class, uh, you know, very quick restroom break or, you know, just get up and walk around. Um, usually I would play a song during that. I have actually heard of teachers now just uh, taking that break just solely for students to be able to get their phones out and do what they need to do for five minutes and then get their concentration sort of reset um, to be able to go on with the class period. Um, Dave, I, I do want to ask you, um, again, uh, we're, we're not um, um, bringing you on for us to endorse your product, but but I think that listeners might be interested in understanding um, sort of the process through which, uh, if they were interested in exploring uh, uh, the, the product that, that you have, Pocket Points, what is that process and, and how would, um, you know, a, a teacher or a, a principal um, or a university administrator think about um, that from a resource standpoint uh, in terms of what they would have to invest in, if at all? Yeah, the, uh, from the, well, from the investment side, other than uh, the time of going to the website and just filling out the, the application, if you will, and that's just getting the information saying I'm interested and, and basically telling us who they are and where they're at. Um, we have, uh, up until this fall, we have uh, been limiting our, uh, you know, bringing, you know, schools on or what have you, we, because we've been testing a lot of different things. The good news is for us, for the last three years, we're getting it pretty well dialed. And so we're at a point now where we can now bring on a community, uh, a, school, a school community, and um, do it pretty effectively. So we're actually, after this fall's launch, we're looking to accelerate some of this. Um, and so going to the website and letting us, you know, signing up and we have a couple of different areas. If you're an administrator, if you're a teacher or a student, we have students, we have parents, parents, uh, please help our, our school, help my child. Uh, so those are things that, you know, we're looking at down the road, uh, from the parent side, but at least the, so that's the best way to do it. I would love to be able to geofence my house with this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we love that you love that. <laughs> I, I, I we, could we, earn we, my we, own we points, but yeah, I could earn my own points because I'm I'm all about the free pizza. Uh, so uh, that would be yep. cool to do. So um, so so that's interesting um, that uh, you're looking to expand. And um, just before I, uh, I turn to another question, um, can you give a sense of you know 
are, are you getting the most uh, sort of interest, I guess is what I would say, from the administrators of, of buildings or universities? Or is this something that teachers are reaching out? Um, can you work with an individual teacher, even if their building or uh, their university is not signed up? I, I, I guess I'm trying to give the audience a sense of, you know, if I'm a teacher sitting out there listening to this podcast and this sounds and this resonates with me, do I need to have the conversation first with my principal or my department chair, or do I just reach out to Pocket Points uh, website and, and initiate contact that way? What's what's the best way to go about doing that if I'm in that situation? Yeah, the, what we found is at the high school level, a teacher can reach out to us, and uh, they we can actually build uh, a program around that teacher, and that's been very successful. And one just a distinction. College kids, they the food is really important uh, because again, they have to feed themselves for the breakfast, lunch, and dinner. At a high school, those the kids basically have that taken care of for them. So our food model, it, although it's popular, isn't necessarily redeemed, and that's that's an important part. We need to you know, have them you know work with our partners, our you know business partners to go there. So the challenge there is what what is something that doesn't cost them any money. And what we did early on was we, t- we had some teachers reach out and say, well, what if we provided incentives? What if we, you know, were to give an extra hall pass? Or uh, in some cases, we have schools that, you know, if you imagine the prom, the prom, prom still go on, and that, those tickets for that school uh, range between $50 and $100. But we're going to give away, you know, five free prom tickets, but there's it's going to be a 3,000-pointed item. That means you need to stay off your phone a long time mm-hmm. to go to mm-hmm. earn 3,000 points, and you have the opportunity to get a free prom ticket. Now, there's a limit of five, so the first five that get there can get it. Teachers can do it in their classroom where they can, they can actually change their test scores or get extra points on quizzes. So if you want to use for 25 points to be able to get extra two points on a quiz or change your grade from a plus to a uh, you know, minus to a plus or what have you. There's just all kinds of creative ways the teachers come up with ideas. And that really has resonated mm-hmm. uh, because the kids now, again, it doesn't cost them anything. And now it can actually affect you know, how I'm doing in class. And, and administrators have to step in and make sure that these are appropriate for the school and the, you know, the district and that sort of thing. But very, very popular. And then on top of it, they have local businesses, even an added benefit. So at the college level, yes, absolutely. A teacher can uh, you know request us. Uh, and the same idea, if there's some rewards that they want to provide, we let them have access and can build those for the class. Uh, but also they can take advantage of, and as I mentioned, we are able to bring on uh, kind of local, quicker, faster, better now. So as this interest comes and we see you know, how a market's developing, we can bring them on very quickly. So we, we will be, the goal here is to be in every school uh, in, in a very short period of time, I'll say. It's great. Um, very fascinating, and I'll, yeah. I'll come back in just a minute. Jeff, uh, so we've heard you talk about using uh, social media or cell phones essentially for course-related functions. Uh, we've heard Dave talk about the pocket apps and the positive reinforcement approach that they have. Are there any other um, things that you've talked with people about uh, that, that we've not discussed yet that are strategies that teachers are using to sort of address this issue that you can think of? There are some that I've seen. One's uh, kind of a collective note-taking either through a Google Doc or some sort of of shared note-taking where students from the class are collectively taking notes together in a shared document that they can all kind of reflect back on later on. Um, So I think that's one way that that I'm seeing some people doing this. Um, 
that's the primary one that I've seen. And the other one is is kind of the the back channel. So you gave mm-hmm. an example earlier of of one of the classes you uh, first taught here at Ohio University was uh, the mass lecture of 400 people. Um, what some instructors are doing is what they call kind of the back channel of using Twitter to um, allow for question and answer. So as as you would know, an IT8 in a 400 person mass lecture, um, it, it's really difficult to say like, all right, does anybody have any questions? Because <laughs> if even if 50 hands go up, that's that's two standard classrooms, really. Yeah. And it's really not logistically possible to answer all those questions. Um, But if you have a TA who is monitoring Twitter or have some other sort of messaging app that students are responding to, um, that student who might be shy to raise their hand or 50 people who all have the same question might indicate, okay, I need to go back and clarify that. But but that's a way that you can get at those questions and potentially engage students. So I'm seeing some of that in literature and when I'm talking with uh, colleagues at conferences – do you put anything in your syllabus about cell phone use? I do, and I typically change it about maybe once a year, maybe a little bit more, and I tweak it as I go. Um, right now, it says that I, I discourage you from using your mobile devices in class for non-course-related purposes. Um, I have something in there about I, I've done research on this, and I actually, on a, kind of the first day, I'm not one of the here's the syllabus go kind of faculty members. I you know talk through, and, and we stay pretty much the entire class period the first day. Um, I talk through with here's how you use how I think you should use your mobile devices, and we can have a conversation about that. But it's, I've done research on this. There's a consensus on on how damaging this is. Um, this also when you if when you're in your first job, your boss is not going to want you to see you just down on your phone the entire time. So this is where you can learn that behavior and do it in a relatively safe environment. Where if you know if one class period you're really on your phone, I'm not going to fire you. <laughs> but if you did that in an important meeting in your career, that could be something very different. Yeah, I, I think that um, the very first thing that is important about that is that the teacher, in this case you, but it, but it could be other teachers that you and I have talked to, they're they're having meta they're having metacognitive conversations. Mm-hmm. They're having conversations about metacognition with yeah, students yeah. so that, that, that students are starting to hear advice, but, but evidence-based advice on the appropriate use of cell phone. And that's not a conversation that in, in the world of new communication technology that I think we've had enough because, well, face it, you know, uh, you know I'm, I'm a digital immigrant. And, mm-hmm. and so that, that idea of me as a teacher talking to students about, oh, this is a good way of using your cell phone, but this is not, wouldn't have dawned on me until I started mm-hmm. seeing the problem emerge at such a rapid rate that then all of a sudden I'm playing catch up. You were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think um, it, it needs to be a conversation and not just, and not that you were advocating this, but not just, I'm the faculty member because yeah. I say so. Um, I think that's where we first started to see conversations going within the past decade um, in, in kind of academic circles of, well, it's be- I'm the faculty member, I, it's it's my classroom and because I say so. And I, I don't think that's a terribly convincing argument for students. I think having a conversation of, I don't want you to do this because, and, and talk with them and explain your reasoning, the rationale. Um, and I say, like, I know, you know, if you get an important text and you to respond to it, I, that's probably going to be okay. But I, you really should avoid active using it. And if you get a phone call, if you are expecting a call about a job interview, just excuse yourself and go out in the hallway. I'm not um, outlawing them entirely, but having a conversation about it and explaining your perspective on things, I think, is a good thing to do with students. And I typically do that in each of my classrooms. Yeah. Um, Dave, I'm going to give you a last chance to make a comment. Anything you want to say? Well, I, I agree. I, I just, as I listen uh, to, to your conversation, it is just fascinating because, and we, we feel the same way, and, and yet the 
our goal and also is we've now looked at these lower grade levels since we didn't realize the impact we could have. Um, and so I think it is important that we bring the younger folks in because I think if we could affect them, I've had some teachers that we sent a slide deck with a lot of the data that you guys have worked that you've done. And I've heard from the teachers that have shared that. They said, you know, I actually took the time to share the information of, of the effects. And, you know, as a percentage in the classroom, she said, I had more engagement in that discussion because this is relevant to the kids and they don't want to do bad things for the most part, right? They, they, they wanted to do better and they don't realize it. So this education about this process or this, this problem, the kids actually, they'll listen to it if it's presented the right way. I you mentioned it. It's like, if you come in and saying, you can't use your cell phone, the kids, the first thing they want to do is they want to use their cell phone, but if they can talk about it and now they're, they're, for the most part, these kids can make an educated decision. And hey, but man, I know why. Um, I, I love that idea, and, and we're trying to now how can we how can we dig in deeper? What, what can we present to this group um, at that level so that as they migrate into higher education, you know those disciplines have started. Uh, and we think there's an important part there which we originally hadn't thought about, uh, but now we're we're getting involved with that. So. It's a really, my last one. yeah, it's a really fascinating uh, discussion, and I really appreciate both of you being on, Dave. The you know the reason I I wanted to have you on, especially with Jeff, uh, is that I really think what you all are trying to do at Pocket Points is fascinating from the sense that you see few examples of positive reinforcement being used to combat a problem like this um, out there. Um, you know, I, I think that the, the places I've seen it tends to be more on the um, social civic behavior side of a school where they, you know, they have systems for, you know, essentially rewarding good behavior in the school. But this is targeting a very specific behavior. And I think that what you at Pocket Points uh, are trying to accomplish in implementing uh, the use of this app is really fascinating. So I'm really thankful that you gave us time out of your day to be on. I really appreciate the opportunity. We all do here. Uh, we're just excited to be a part of this, and hopefully we can continue down the road. And Jeff, uh, thank you for uh, making the uh, short but but uh, beautiful trip over yes, from uh, from your neck of the woods to Athens to be in the studios with us. Uh, I, I hope that you'll keep exploring this topic as well. I think that um, the the leadership that you provided in doing that study has really, in many ways, elevated the conversation about um, the use of cell phones in class, um, given the number of people that have read the article. By the way, for all the listeners, uh, we've placed a link to uh, the study that Jeff was referencing, the very first of the studies that Jeff was referencing and the text that accompanies the podcast. We also have a hyperlink to uh, the Pocket Points website where you can learn more about the app and find out information uh, about that. Uh, and, and we hope to continue having this conversation on Teaching Matters because really from a teacher's standpoint, uh, in terms of classroom management, this is probably not something that rises to the level of violence in a class that you want to control, but it's something that is is very pervasive and really is something that affects all students. Mm -hmm. You know, not not just the students that um, are um, are having more difficulties in, in in classroom behaviors, but this is something that is affecting a lot of students, most of our students, in fact, in class. Thank you all for listening to Teaching Matters, produced by WUB Public Media. You can always listen at wub.org/backslash. Listen, we also are available through several popular podcasting apps, including Google Play, iTunes, and NPR One. I would be remiss to not say, please do not use those apps while in class. 
You can contact the staff of the podcast with ideas, questions, or comments through our Facebook page. Simply search for Teaching Matters Podcast on Facebook uh, and send us information or ideas there. Our audio engineer today was Adam Rich, who was not looking at his cell phone during the podcast at all. I'm Scott Titsworth, your host. On behalf of WUB Public Media, thank you for listening and have a great day. Thank you.